Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University. Yale staff and faculty can choose from a variety of health plans. Most enroll in the university-run Yale Health Plan. This is Colleen Shaddix for the Yale Office of Public Affairs talking with Dr. Paul Jennison, director of the health plan, about new initiatives there. Why do you think more people in the Yale community choose your health plan? Thanks, Colleen. Um, the health plan came into being about 35 years ago, just a little bit more than that, and started off with a tremendous level of enrollment, very soon gaining about 75% mm. of the people who work and uh, study uh, at Yale. And there's this long history at this point of success and high enrollment. And for many people in their working lives, they haven't really been in any other health plan except for Yale Health Plan. Um, I would say that as people come on in the university, uh, one of the things that they recognize is that this health plan is considerably lower cost. Right. Uh, part of that, I think, is related to the operating efficiencies that are built into the kind of a model of healthcare we are, and that we're able to really tr uh, transfer considerable cost savings both to the employee and to the university. Um, this makes us more affordable, more accessible, and helps us with, with market share. In terms of why people stay mm -hmm. once they've become members, I think convenience is what we hear most about, uh, and that relates to care under a single roof, as for example, uh, ability to see primary care clinicians as well as consultants and specialists, to have lab work, uh, to get uh, medications, to get our x-rays and so forth all in one place. Uh, now, in addition, uh, endoscopy and a variety of other services. So this is something we hear a lot about, particularly when people actually leave the university and go somewhere else, mm. and we'll often hear <laughs> a letter saying, God, we didn't know how, how, how easy we had it. Um, we have, I think, a number of programs that are particularly pleasing to our members. One of them is Yale Health Online, uh, which is a, a a, a secure email portal or platform for our members to be able to co communicate with their clinicians directly as well as to schedule appointments. So that's been a, a big success. And I think more than anything, we have a great staff. Uh, many of our doctors have been with us for, for uh, many years. The average duration of employment of our doctors is between 12 and 14 years, which is extremely unusual in healthcare nowadays. And um, Last but not least, our great network of specialists, uh, the great majority of whom are faculty at the Yale School of Medicine. You're also doing a lot more in prevention and health promotion than you've ever done before. Can you tell us about some initiatives that maybe members might not be familiar with? Well, one of the great opportunities of a staff model healthcare organization located on central campus is that we've got a special ability to reach our members uh, directly. And because we are in a setting at Yale University where we're able to take the long view and where our employees are with us for a long time, we've been able to concentrate on prevention, which is really part of our, uh, a very core part of our, our mission. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, we've had a lot of support from the officers and the corporation to really invest in the good health of people over the long haul, recognizing that someone who comes to work at Yale may well be with us five, 10, 15, 20 years out into the future. And if we can keep that person as healthy as possible, that's both the right thing to do and it's also great for the university enterprise for the support of its, of its great mission. Um, many people don't realize uh, we do 100, approximately 100 
uh, visits out around campus at on-site events in places where people work and study uh, in order to offer screening, for example, mm -hmm. for blood sugar, for diabetes, blood pressure, cholesterol. We give flu shots, usually about 14,000 at different on-site locations around campus every year. We offer the Pneumovax, which is an immunization against a certain kind of pneumonia. And we give lots of health inf uh, information. Um, in addition, we're doing a lot of special programs uh, to increase awareness and level of education about health matters, which we think is important for prevention because it helps people to take control of their own care. Uh, a good example of this, amongst many others, is the, uh, the, the group of initiatives that come under women's health mm -hmm. and um, have to do with breast health, the importance of regular gynecologic exams, uh, immunizations, um, as, for example, the new vaccine against um, uh, uh, the human papillomavirus, which is a cause of, of cervical cancer, um, and many other programs of this sort. Um, the preventive programs that we run actually span the gamut from birth to late life and uh, range from the immunizations, for example, that we give in an increasingly complicated schedule for the children mm -hmm. on the health plan to uh, special vaccinations that are indicated for older members, um, as well as all kinds of preventive uh, screening programs for preventable cancers, such as colon cancer, skin cancer, cervical cancer, breast cancer, and the list goes on and on. And you're also doing a lot of things that people might not think of going to a doctor's office for, like your Weight Watchers program comes to mind. Yes, there are a number of programs that we offer as well in order to try to encourage people to live as healthy a lifestyle as possible. And this is an area that we hope to concentrate on much more in our future facility. Well, you mentioned that um, a lot of your subscribers are in it for the long haul. So your subscribers, like the rest of the population, are getting a lot older. Yes. Does that give you an extra imperative to do more preventive care? Yes. And I, it's an interesting question because everyone, I think, is noticing um, for one thing, the workforce of the baby boomer generation is aging. Mm. Uh, in the second place, Yale is a very desirable place to work. People come to work at Yale and stay. And a lot of people who were very young when they joined the health plan in the 1970s are now getting into that age group eligible for retirement. And um, it means that people are either retiring or in many instances not retiring, but staying at work with a lot of the kinds of conditions that uh, require different and more intensive use of medical resources. And at the same time, all kinds of new therapies come along, mm -hmm. new medications, new diagnostic tests that permit early detection, and new um, technology, for example, the ability to do minimally invasive surgery that gets people back to work much more quickly. So people aren't retiring the way they did at one point. Um, a lot of our on-site services address the needs of an aging workforce, and it's something that we are anticipating. Um, they range from ability to do on-site screening for colon cancer, which is indicated for people with average risk at the age of 50 and over. Um, infusion center for people who have malignant diseases and a variety of other conditions, um, expanded diagnostic ability in our imaging center, which will become something even more uh, um, uh, comprehensive in, in, the new in the new building. Um, we have 
uh, staff, including a recently recruited geriatrics specialist whose special interest mm -hmm. is in the problems of aging. And what we see in our older population are sometimes um, several different health conditions that coexist as well as numerous medications with an increasing, risk for, increasing need for care coordination, disease management, where we have very intensively trained nurses who help patients to be as healthy as they can between their appointments with their clinicians. And um, I would say a very strong emphasis on prevention has to be dedicated to our older members as well. Um, and I'll tell you a little bit more, uh, I hope I'll have the opportunity uh, to talk to you a little bit, for example, about what we're doing with our patients who have diabetes, a condition that afflicts people as they get older, and where managing diabetes optimally and preventing the preventable complications is such an important priority. And is it easier for you to do that because your clinicians are all together under one roof, so there's there's not this sort of disconnect between 12 different specialists? Very much so. The ability to do what we call integrated care uh, in a setting in which we have a unified medical record and where the primary doctors from all different departments as well as the uh, consultants are able to see the same information uh, is a very big advantage. Let's talk a little bit about that. The electronic medical records, which you've switched to, they're, they're administratively obviously a good idea, but how, how does it clinically change a patient's experience? Well, you know, interestingly, people have the idea that putting an elect med medical record uh, on a, a computer means that you're trying to move the visit faster. In <laughs> fact, they slow us down. Uh -huh. But the quality of the information that they provide is amazingly better. Um, the accuracy of information, uh, the um, ability to uh, provide information to other people involved in your care in real time, uh, the ability to read the notes, which are not always completely legible when handwritten, right. uh, a huge step forward in terms of, uh, of the quality of the information. Uh, the, the, the electronic record enables us to give care that's much safer. So for example, I can't prescribe for you a medication to which you're allergic. Or if I prescribe a new medication and my patient is taking another medicine where there could be an adverse drug interaction, I'm immediately notified of mm -hmm. that. A window pops up with a warning. So. It's a very important tool. Uh, another, another aspect which we've really leveraged with a lot of homegrown uh, uh, programming are registries of people who have various uh, health conditions. Example would be history of skin cancer, history of asthma, uh, patient with diabetes, uh, patient with a malignant illness, so that we can ensure that the checks and surveillance and special interve interventions that those patients need can happen on schedule, and the electronic system enables us to do that. Now, we talked about your subscribers getting older. They're also coming for, from a much wider geographical locations all over the globe. How does that affect the way you provide care? You know, I think of it as the hundreds. You know, we have approximately 100 different countries from which wow. uh, we draw just students at Yale. Mm -hmm. uh, more than that, if you look at all of the different countries that are the are countries of origin of people coming to the university, there are approximately 100 Yale programs out across the globe where we are, have on-site Yale-sponsored uh, uh, research and teaching activities. Um, 
we are able to offer translation services to our members in a hundred different languages. So I think the diversity is very noticeable. Um, the number of people that we're sending out and whom we encounter in our travel medicine service where they get the preventive uh, care that they need before going to some of the high-risk areas of the world for, for travel-related illnesses, as well as people coming to us from faraway places where health care may be very different in its values, in its model, in its accessibility. Mm -hmm. uh, people may come to us with the kinds of illnesses that we don't routinely see in people who are native to Connecticut. So I would say that uh, one of the most important trends that we see in addition to the population becoming older is uh, the population becoming globalized. And how does a clinician kind of get over the learning curve of that? How can you be culturally competent in, you know, a hundred different cultures? Well, you can't be, but you have to be trying constantly to survey um, both groups of patients as well as individuals and how can I do this right? Mm -hmm. um, is there something in your system of beliefs uh, that I need to attend to? Um, is it appropriate, for example, for a woman for an, from an Islamic culture to have a gynecologic exam with a male physician? Probably not mm -hmm. for an observant Muslim. Are there issues around um, stigma attached to mental illness or to emotional symptoms? Uh, is there a difference in the perception of pain or belief about what the appropriate treatment or diagnosis is for tuberculosis or for other, other diseases that we encounter? So I think one thing that's required of people working in clinical areas with very diverse populations is to be able to listen actively uh, to read a great deal and to take information where we can get it, which is very often from people who come to us from abroad. Um, we've had good collaborations with the Office of International Students and Scholars to help us mm -hmm. to address some of these cultural issues. And it's a challenge, I think, for a number of very major uh, world-class uh, universities that are, that are drawing uh, people in large numbers from countries uh, where we would rarely encounter somebody 20 years ago. You mentioned both the, the convenience for the patient and the sort of clinical synergy of having so much stuff under one roof, and also the fact that you're going to be moving to a new building on Lock Street, a new larger building. Is that same kind of convenience and synergy going to take place there, and what other things might patients look forward to? Well, I think um, that same kind of synergy is going to be there, but even more so. Um, there are some major enhancements. I would think one of the most important ones to mention first and up front, because people so often ask about this, what about parking? <laughs> yeah. We will have structured parking and much, much enhanced parking uh, in the new facility. Uh, actually, in the, in the building, the biggest change uh, when you look at the floor plan and compare rooms uh, in the present health plan at 17 Hill House with the future building on Lock Street uh, is how many exam rooms there are. Uh, well, that translates into much more effective workflow for the clinician who can go from one room to the next and see patients uh, in sequence. And it means the patients can get in more easily, out more easily. And so I think that's probably going to be noticeable to everyone. Um, there'll be uh, a concentration of the busiest services on the first floor. So internal medicine, pharmacy, member services, a lot of places that have a high traffic on the, on the ground floor, pharmacy. Um, 
much more flexible space. We'll have um, ability to do different things with the space in a way that we don't in our present building. We'll have expanded endoscopy services, procedure rooms for doing uh, conscious sedation procedures that are now done at the hospital. Mm -hmm. We'll have an expanded imaging capability, including MRI, CT, mammography. We'll have three ultrasound rooms, plain film, uh, a number of other modalities that we don't currently have the space to offer. We'll have uh, an inpatient unit that has isolation rooms for uh, various infectious conditions that require isolation. And this really travels in tandem with the observation that our population is more global. Right. People come with communicable diseases and sometimes need isolation. A lot nicer to do that at the health plan than at the hospital. Right. Um, I think that there are a number of other enhancements, but I think those are the important ones. Um, a lot of educational programs that we've had the ambition to do, but not the space, I think is going to be another area that we'll be able to really take a step forward. Now, when the move itself happens, you're not the sort of business that can just close down for a couple of weeks. How logistically will that work? Well, that's a complex business, <laughs> and you know we are we we are gearing up to plan to prepare, is what I can say. This is about two and a half years away. The actual move is targeted for June of, of 2010. And about 24 months in advance, you begin to uh, plan that process. And someone uh, who coordinates the move is doing nothing else for 12 months in advance of the move. And what we anticipate is that all the clinically relevant areas will actually move over a weekend, mm -hmm. intensely concentrated 48 hours. Uh, we're not moving everything. We're moving things that need to be moved and some things we will uh, leave behind. Um, but we'll plan to close down uh, at on Friday afternoon, uh, do a very aggressive move over a weekend and open on Monday morning. Uh, we'll see how it goes. I think that there'll be a number of areas that are less crucial to be open first thing Monday or to close down late Friday, and that'll, there'll be a little more time for those. But it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a complex process. Now, you mentioned earlier that you're very proud of your diabetes work, so I want to give you a chance to talk about that a little bit before we close. Sure. Well, you know, and I think this is really a very important program. We have more than 800 diabetics working here at the university. There's an epidemic of diabetes in our society, and it comes with uh, a number of different types of uh, conditions that it travels with, including obesity, hypertension, elevated cholesterol, and it's a disease, diabetes, that has tremendous uh, importance because of its ability to cause major complications, including cardiovascular disease, heart attacks and stro stroke, for example, uh, kidney failure, blindness, amputations, all of which are endpoints that we want to avoid and which we can prevent with very aggressive care. So we've developed a registry uh, which gives a physician at his desktop, or it could be a diabetes coordinator or one of our nurse practitioners, she'll be able to see on one screen 12 different um, areas or aspects of optimal care of a diabetic that are really d demonstrated in the literature to be uh, based on good data mm -hmm. and where there are good guidelines for, uh, for management. Examples are how well controlled the blood sugar is. Um, both immediately and, and, and in the long term. Um, how well controlled is blood pressure? Uh, is the patient on the right medicines to protect the kidney? And are we screening for the kidney complications so that we can be more aggressive? Um, 
There are a number of other uh, areas, such as the appropriate immunizations, eye checks, foot exams, uh, and a bunch of other different types of, of management of diabetes that constitute optimal care. And so we're able to measure that. We're able to use the data both for individual patients and aggregated in order to try to raise the bar of quality for these patients who have a high-risk condition. So to sum up, from a patient perspective, what are the most important things going on at the health plan today? Well, people often say it's the building, you know, and I, I, I try to impart that the building is a new address and it's going to permit a lot of enhancements, but it's not our destination. Our mm -hmm. destination is what kind of a health plan do we plan to be? I see this uh, as a real transformational opportunity for the health plan, similar to when the health plan came into being with a new facility back in 1971. Uh, I think that the most important uh, uh, things to uh, bear in mind are continuity. Our main work is patient visits in appointments. That's mm -hmm. the most important work that we offer. I think that we are going to see a greatly expanded uh, effort to manage the health and wellness of members of our population, to do primary prevention, which is keeping people who are healthy from getting sick, secondary prevention, which is taking people who have health conditions and trying to keep them as well as we can. Example of that is care of our diabetic patients. And a lot more uh, outreach and um, programming for people to uh, manage their health in a way that's well-informed uh, so that we can have the kind of great outcomes that, uh, that a world-class uh, healthcare organization should be able to give to a world-class university. Thank you. We've been talking with Dr. Paul Jennison, director of the Yale Health Plan. For more information, please visit www.yale.edu slash YHP.